Matthew chapter 5, verse number uh, 13, we're going to start. Matthew chapter number 5, we're going to start in verse number 13. When you get there, you can say amen. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we need your help right now. We need you, Lord God, to speak to us. Father, I pray every heart, every mind will be open to the truth of this word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but you've made it clear that your word will never pass away. And to that end, Lord, we bow. We bow to your word, Father God, not just, Lord, in a um, physical sense, but in a very real spiritual sense, Lord. We bow to your word because we understand that your word has uh, everything in it that pertains to godly living. We want to be transformed, and we want to have your mind concerning these issues. Your mind, Lord God, uh, the mind of God, and Lord God, is what you call us to express in our generation. We love you for it, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you can be seated in our God's presence this morning. We had began several weeks ago a series entitled Hot Topics, a series that is designed to tackle those sensitive and very popular subject matters that dominate the news cycle. Uh, we had kicked the series off with talking about the issues with regard to Baltimore and the surrounding states uh, with regard to the riots and uh, the uh, killing of uh, African-American men at the hand of police officers. And so we dealt with that. Uh, the first week of our series, and the second week of our series, we actually dealt with um, God and politics. And that was the title of that sermon last week. So if you didn't get to listen to that, you may want to go online and understand or get some more understanding about what God has to say about the issue. And so um, today we're going to continue, and I'm going to conclude with our Hot Topic series today, and we're going to go out with a bang. We're going to be talking today about homosexuality and gay marriage. Now, I know that there are some who may be thinking, well, Pastor, uh, this is no place for you really to talk about uh, this issue. Or perhaps maybe you are a little bit reluctant to talk about it. Um, but um, how do we know that God's word has something to say about the issue? And... I, when I was called into ministry, one of the things I understood that um, I was always going to be in the minority. I was always going to see things in a way that will be, that will contradict most of my peers who were around me. So when I came into the kingdom, I was under no illusions. I didn't come into this thinking that somehow that everybody was going to partner with me, that everybody was going to be you know, in concert with me. I came into the kingdom knowing full well that there was going to be opposition. I knew that 
the stand that I will be taking as it relates to the Bible, that automatically, by nature, you are in contradiction to most of the world. And so this issue of homosexuality, as many of you know, has simply dominated our news cycle. Probably out of all the hot topics that we've talked about, you probably hear about gay marriage and homosexuality more than anything. And what has really shocked me, I, I, I may add, is that there's such a deep silence with regard to the church. It, it, it appears to me that the church have kind of gotten into this, this extended huddle and, uh, and we're trying to figure out, okay, how are we really going to deal with this issue? And in actuality, God has already dealt with the issue and he's already uh, made it clear. And so the public pressure is mounting against the church with regard to this issue. It is if you, if you check all the, the recent polling, people are much more receptive to the idea of gay marriage and homosexuality in the sense that they're believing that God sanctions it. That's the issue. It's not so much, we're going to talk about this issue not because, let me say this, it's not because we want to sing about homosexuality like it's the worst sin among all sins. It's not. The problem is that we're in a generation now that's saying that God not only uh, made me this way, but God sanctioned it. So then, therefore, the church cannot just sit by and let the folk misrepresent our God that way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We must speak truth. And for whatever reason, there are even some church denominations, as I was doing some research, that are at, at least welcoming homosexuality and gay marriage as a practice sanctioned by God. Some of these sect within the Presbyterian um, denomination, the Episcopalian denomination, and the Evangelical Lutheran denomination. A lot of them are developing more and more liberal stances. And in fact, a lot of those preachers are now marrying same-sex couples. And they're doing all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? And so I, think, I believe the part of the silence is, is that, uh, number one, uh, you know, there's a little bit of uh, discomfort when you are kind of pushing against the stream. But I think also is that, how many know there's a lot of money that is back in this agenda. A lot of, a lot of dollars, a lot of money. And it's and, and sad to say that I believe that there's a lot of preachers who don't want to talk about it simply because they don't want to lose that backing. They don't want to release that resource or, or they don't want to lose that 501c3 or lose that tax break if they spoke against it. But how many know that we never came into ministry to get a 501c3? I was never called to do ministry for a tax break. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying this morning? I was called to do ministry to preach this gospel in a generation that is opposed generally to what Christ has to say. Now, let me say this on the onset, because I want to be sensitive to, to uh, some, some folk here that either are struggling with the issue or have family members. Let me, let me say this, that this is not a sermon about bashing homosexuals. You hear me? This is not a sermon where we're going to say we're going to bash and we're going to say how terrible they are. And we're going to say that, like I've heard some people, they all just need to go to, you know what? I've heard these kind of crazy comments, even sometimes coming from Christians. 
It's not a sermon designed to do that. I understand that for many of us that we may have family members that are struggling with this. You may have an aunt, a brother, a sister, or you know, somebody that you love very, very deeply who is involved in his lifestyle. I, I get it. I understand that. And so, so I'm not here to bash, but I want to bring some biblical context because how many know that we still must be true to the values of the kingdom of God no matter if it's popular or not? Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? I know that some of the things I'm going to say this morning is not popular. I came prepared this morning not to get one single amen from anybody. I want you to know that. I'm already thinking I'm not going to get an amen. And I'm fine with that because I know what I'm dealing with. Most objective, God-fearing Christians know that the Bible condemns gay marriage and homosexuality. Most objective, Bible-believing Christians know this. They know it. They're not in conflict about that. The conflict is, what happens if I begin to state what the Bible says? It is fear of our jobs. Can I be real this morning? It's a fear of, of, of isolation. It's the fear of rejection. And all of this, I believe, has been strategically engineered by Satan himself to silence us because we're going to find out as time goes who are those who are going to stay true to the values of the kingdom. And I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I know that the pressure is deep. I know that you got responsibilities. You got mortgages to pay. You got all of these things. But you know what I said something earlier when I was praying, that God want to get all of us to the point that at the end of the day, we got to trust him for everything. Sometimes you don't know what you're really trusting in until the pressure hits you. Pressure has a way of revealing where you really are and what you really put your faith in. How many know that God is going to get at that for all of us? Now, so there must, there, there's an obvious question. Why must we address the issue of gay marriage or homosexuality? Pastor, why, out of all the things that you can talk about here on Sunday, why do we need to address this? Well, going back to Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 16, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Who do you think Jesus is talking about there? Christians, you. He said, he he we are, you are, I am, the light. Light requires us being out front, listen to me, and speaking out. Now, hear me. I'm not talking about a kind of Christianity that says, well, you know what, that's just what they believe, and, and you know, I don't believe that, and that's just on them. That's their, that's their business. How many know that their business is becoming our business? And if we stay silent on this issue, it's going to come knocking at your door. How many know what I'm talking about? How many would say, it's come knocking at my door, Pastor? It's come, you can't, look, look, th there's nowhere in Scripture where the Bible would Jesus tell us to just keep quiet and keep our personal beliefs and our convictions to ourselves. That is a bogus Christianity that is rooted in the demonic. We are called 
to speak out. Light requires illumination. That means light, it, 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 it brings illumination. It stands out. It seeks to be known. How many know that everybody should know where you are as a Christian on the issue of gay marriage? Nobody should be sitting by thinking, I wonder what Sister Joan, where she stands on the issue. I wonder where the Pastor Bailey stands on the issue. We must be people. Life requires that we be vocal and noticeable. You don't take a light, Jesus said, and put it under the lampstand and hide it. And in fact, that's what a lot of Christians are doing today, particularly when it comes to this issue of gay marriage. We're taking that little light and we're sticking it up under the bushel and we, 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 we don't want to talk about it. And, and how many know that the agenda is making you talk about it? The agenda is being forced on your children. It's being forced on the society. And the family is the foundation to all of society. The devil knows it. And the devil has specialized in perverting everything that God has done. We must talk about it because the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. The church is not the pillar and ground of what's popular. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? We're, we're, listen, we're not seeking popularity. If anybody got in Christianity before a popularity contest, you're in the wrong thing. You've come to the wrong place. We are the pillar to Jesus. The Bible says that we're the pillar and the ground of the truth. Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. The church, we must talk about it because when people want to know what God has to say about the issue, think about the issue, it needs to come from the church. Are you hearing me? The church needs to speak with one voice. Thirdly, as we said before, Satan distorts and he perverts. John 10.10 says this, the thief comes not except to steal and to kill and to what? Destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that they might have life. I'll tell you why you got to speak up about this issue of gay marriage and homosexuality, because, because Satan is on the move. His forces are moving very, very firmly and very, very strongly. And he is after the generation. He wants to seek and destroy. We must talk about this issue as a church because fourthly, God will punish sin. I want to say that again. God will punish sin. Romans 1.18 says this, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Woe unto those who call good or bad good or good evil, the scripture says. Let me know that there's coming a day when God's going to judge sin. So the church can't be silent and act like it don't exist. How many know that he's, Jesus is requiring us? He says, occupy until I come. How many know that occupy until I come don't mean that we sit and watch TV? I will surmise that we spend too much time watching TV, too much time playing video games. We play too much time that we're not about our father's business. But too much time when this world, I was laughing the other day because I had a, 
uh, a, a preacher friend of mine, he had posted something on Facebook. And he, well, he actually got on Facebook. He was upset. He said, here it is. He named, he named a series of incidents. He said, the police just killed somebody in Baltimore, and Bruce Jenner uh, just came out and said that he's a woman. And then he said, and my preacher friend just, just uh, sent me a message on Facebook saying, do I want to play Candy Crush? And he was irritated. He was like, man, I mean, all this going on, and this is what it's come to. Listen, I'm not, we're not talking about your freedoms as a Christian. We're talking about our priorities. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? What is really important? We got to open our eyes and understand that we are under some serious attack. I mean, some serious stuff is going on here. Now, let's give you some scripture verses. You may know some of these verses, but I've heard some people say, though, well, the Bible is kind of great on these issues of homosexuality. Or the Bible is not really clear. How many of you have heard that? Or that's, that was Old Testament. We live in the New Testament. We're in a new covenant that is all about love. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you love. The devil has even perverted what real love is. Love, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, rejoices in what? Truth. If you really love somebody, you tell them the what? If you, listen, if you lie to me and you don't tell me what's really wrong with me and I got cancer and you know I'm dying and you're not telling me the truth, that's not love. Because I could probably maybe get fixed. I can prolong it. Maybe I can beat it. I don't know. Whatever the case might be. Love rejoices in truth. Truth. What does the Bible say? Here's a couple of verses for you. Leviticus 18.22. You can write these down. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. That simply means that it is detestable in the eyes of God. Leviticus 20.13 says this. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman... Both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. You know, in the Old Covenant, that's the way they dealt with people that was involved in this lifestyle. The law said that you had to die. That was the law. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verses 9 through 10, says this. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. How many know that there is a great deception today? Church, I hear the Holy Ghost saying, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. He said, look at this. He says, neither fornicators, sex outside of marriage, nor idolaters, worshiping anything else other than God, or put a worshiping something above God, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, that is sexual relations with persons of the same sex, nor sodomite, that is anal sex activity, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, understand something in this particular text. There's a couple of things I want to note. If you go on and read verse number 11 of that same chapter, the Apostle Paul but says this, but such were some of you, 
but you were washed. You were made right. You were made cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. How many know that those who walk with God, those who have been sanctified, set apart, this is not something that characterizes their lifestyle? Y'all, y'all hear me? Y'all want to talk this morning? You don't want to talk to me. Now, it's interesting because because here's what the church have done it wrong. We pull out this thing, homosexuality, out of the text, and we, and we blow that baby up. Boom. But you notice that it is in the same context as adultery, fornication, stealing. All of it is sin to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All of it is sin. But what he's saying here is he's talking about a person whose lives are characterized by this. They are not in Christ. How many of people who are in Christ, they do not live this way? Are you hearing me? I'm not talking about people that struggle with sin. I'm not talking about people that have a battle. I'm not talking about people that want to repent. They want to walk. I'm talking about people whose lives are characterized by this. They don't practice. They don't live this way. They're in agreement with God. And until you can come into agreement with God, you really can't get help. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How many of you like like what you're hearing so far. Paul takes it a step further. I mean, Paul gives it in such graphic language. And go ahead and turn with me to Romans chapter 1. I want you to meditate on these scriptures, and I want you to think about them. Romans chapter number 1. Look at this. I'm going to start in verse 18 for continuity's sake. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them. I don't care what people say, but it's something built on the inside of you that tells you what's right or wrong. For God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Hmm. Because they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile. That means empty in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. But listen to this, church. Verse 22, professing to be wise. I, I, I marvel sometimes. You listen to people who make their argument in the case, and, some of, and, and some of, even some of the quote-unquote preachers on television, which I say, they, listen, if they're up promoting that kind of a lifestyle, they are not preachers from God. I'm telling you that right now. They are not saved. I'm telling you, right? if you're promoting sin, as right, something's wrong with that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They profess. They make a good argument. I mean, they talk up a good game. They talk in such a way, man, eh, you know, that makes sense. Professing to be wise. The Bible said they become fools and change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible men and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God, watch this, verse 24, also gave them up. See, see when you come to a place, you know, uh, when the Holy Spirit begins, when God begins to deal with you, he sends you messengers. He begins to warn you. How many of you, you got those messages when you were 
doing your own thing, and God just kept trying to reach out to you. I, I can tell you, he reached out to me in a nightclub. I wasn't, I wasn't even thinking about the Holy Ghost. And, but I, I knew about him, but I had been running from the day that I graduated from high school. I was running, I was trying to get away from him. He wouldn't let me go. Till one day I'm in this club and the Holy Ghost spoke to me. It had to have been God because I wasn't thinking about God, didn't care about God. I was just trying to get my whatever else on. I was trying to do that. I wasn't thinking about religion. And I heard God say to me, and, and it wasn't audible, but in my spirit, it was like, make up your decisions. If you want to do this, I'm going to let you go your way. I never forget, I stood there, and I, I, I was standing there, and I just felt like that if, I, if I kept going, God was saying to me, I'm going to let you have your way. If this is the way you want to go, because he had been chasing me. Has anybody ever felt God chasing them? You know what I'm talking about. You say, you felt God just talking, sending you messages, talking to you in the midnight hour, people coming your way, knocking on your door. You know you're supposed to get right. And, and I felt that. And, and the Bible says that therefore God gave them up. In other words, they became so obstinate and they said, I want to do this. This is right. I want it. And it comes a point in time where God will never force anybody to do anything except when the wrath of God comes. You're going to get that if you ain't his. You will get the wrath of God. That's coming upon the whole earth. But God is not going to force you. He'll, God, he'll woo you. He'll, he'll, uh, he'll send a message to you. His goodness, he'll pour out. He'll do all kinds of stuff, but he's never going to, you got to make a decision on your own. You're made in the image of God. We're made to choose. That's a gift of God that he's given to every man. Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanliness and the lust of their hearts and their own lust to dishonor their bodies among themselves. The Bible calls it dishonoring of their bodies. Listen to this. Who exchanged, verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God, what God's word says, for the lie. In other words, I'm going to accept the lie. And worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forevermore. How many know that that's a form of idolatry? We worship the creature. We worship the values, the ideas that goes counter to God. We take that and say, God, excuse me for this reason, the scripture says. For this reason, God says this. God gave them up. There it is again. He gave them up. He said, okay, that's what you want. Go ahead. How many know that's a bad place to be? You never want God saying that. You really never want God saying that. Oh, God, how many know we just need to pray, God, keep chasing me. God, keep chasing my brother. God, keep chasing my sister. God, keep, keep, God, don't stop, don't stop, please, God, whatever. This is where the people of God need to put down the video games, and we need to pray. We need to put down the golf clubs, and we need to call out on them. God, please, whatever you do, God, help me. Don't help my sister, help my brother, help my mother. God, keep chasing them with your loving kindness and your tender mercies till they come to know you. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, vile passions. For even their women exchanged their natural use for what is against nature. God says that homosexuality is against nature. How many know that two women having sex can't produce a baby? Two men having sex can't produce a baby. It's unnatural. It doesn't flow with the natural. Hear me, I got, I'm, I'm still working with this. Stay with me, because we're going to deal with some things here to help us with this. So, likewise, verse 27, also the men leaving the natural use 
of the woman, watch this now, burn in their lust. Burn in their lust for one another. And men with men, look at this, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. I mean, it's some very strong language. Men with men, doing women with women. In other words, their lust, their passion, they want it, they got it, and God says that it is shameful and it is dishonorable. And if the church says anything else, we are wrong. We can't sugarcoat what God has already condemned. We have no authority, you as a Christian, who say you love God and you believe this book. You and I have no authority to contradict what is clearly written in Scripture, whether we like it or we don't. It is the Word of God. How many of you are committed to this? I mean, I know it's going to hurt sometimes, but how many know the truth will make you what? Lying is not going to make you free. Truth will make you free. So what does God say? So that's what God says about homosexuality. What does God say about same-sex marriage? I'm going to comment briefly on this because I had a series entitled Stay Together. In fact, it's on the table, and I, I dealt with that in great detail about marriage. But I'll just, I'll just reference a couple verses because how many know that the, that the enemy has perverted marriage today? I just heard yesterday, if some of you are not listening, paying attention, Ireland, a whole country, just sanctioned same-sex marriage. And we got almost some 20, almost 30-some states in our union that's starting to recognize same-sex marriage. And we're in the church still sitting back saying, well, that's on them. That's what they believe. and what I believe. How many know that the enemy is after our children? They're still trying to figure it out. Our young people, they're still trying to figure it out. The devil knows. This ain't just about you. This ain't about you. It's about the generation behind it. It's about the generation coming before you. That's what the enemy is doing. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. I'll just read this verse. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. Who is them? Male and female. And God said to them, who was them? Male and female. Be fruitful and what? Multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 through 25. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The word wife in the Hebrew is a woman, a female. Not another man, female. And they shall become one flesh, and they were both naked, and the man and his what? Wife, and were not ashamed. This is marriage. This is what God has sanctioned as right. This is the only marriage God has sanctioned, a marriage that is between man and woman. Not woman on woman, not man on man. It is unbiblical. It is not right. God never sanctioned that. He blessed them, male and female. He said, now you go and multiply. You see how the devil has perverted it? Do you see it? Open your eyes. It's a perversion. Satan hasn't changed. Now, here's the obvious elephant in the room. What do you do? 
if one has same-sex attraction? What do you do if one has, uh, one has same-sex attraction or, or one who is uh, just drawn to a person who are like them in terms of their genetical makeup? Because here's one of the things that people are saying often. I hear this often. Well, 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 well Pastor, I, I, you know, and here's why they say that God made them this way. They say God made them this way. Here's why they say it. Because they have a very strong feelings toward it. I never, ever deny people's feelings. I mean, you know, I believe that people who are uh, engaged in homosexuality or have a bent toward that, I truly do believe that their feelings are real. When they say, I really want this, I feel it, I, I, I'm more attracted, I get it. I'm not here to deny that. I know that. I know that there are some who battle. I get it. But that doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. A man, how is it that a man will molest a little girl who is seven? These are cases that I worked for a number of years where I met men who, I mean, literally had sex, seven-year-old girl, grown men, with a, a seven-year-old who is still developing, and then look me in the face and tell me they see nothing wrong with it. They tell me, I'm made this way. And that's why you look at that, and I look at it, and we say, how in the world can you do that? Man, what's wrong? And, and, or, or you look at a person, if you're a man, and you say, for me, I'm like, dude, like, why would you be attracted to another dude? Like, what's up with that? I mean, I'm like, uh, I, 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 you know, from my brain, what's up with I have no, what's up with you? Because our mind, we don't want to go there. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. You want to know what the problem is? D David said it like this in the book of Psalms. He said, in sin did my mother conceive me. Understand some people that we are all broken. The reason Jesus came is because when sin came into the picture, we are all broke. The Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. No matter what you are today, you are only <coughs> a very tiny microcosm of what you are supposed to be, what you were meant to be. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So all have sinned. So here, God is way up here, and we're way down here. We, even though we get right with God, for some reason, we want to think that we've arrived. No, you haven't. He just forgave you. He covered you. That's all. He covered you. He began, but you still are broken. We are broke. That's why you have to battle with these sinful thoughts. That's why you have lust inside of your soul that even confuse you. Like, why do I want to do this? Why am I attracted to the sin? Why? Because in sin did my mother conceive me. Jesus said it this way. You must be born again. You got to get a renewed mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Because what has happened is, is the sin has come down on the inside. It has invaded our territory, which is the whole entire earth. And as, as a result, we are all broken. Some of you, you don't struggle with same-sex attraction, but you struggle with lust. Some of you uh, struggle with pornography. No matter what happens in life, you've got to duck. You can't see anything nude because you will just go off the chart. <coughs> Some of us got personality disorders, mental issues and challenges. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
We we all have a proclivity towards something. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Everybody's broken. We just, what we've gotten good at is categorizing what's the really bad broken stuff. So, so, because you want your brokenness to be a little bit more polished than your broken. My brokenness is better than your brokenness. Like, we got something to brag about. We're all broke. You hear what I'm saying? We're all broke. And as a consequence, we have these feelings, these passions, these emotions that are inside of us as a result of sin. That's what it is, people. God didn't make them that way. That is just a picture of how far we've fallen. We have fallen so deep that we can't even see clearly. And unless the grace of God come and illuminate our minds, we will be captivated by this thing. And this is the church. This is why the church must maintain her focus to point people to how they can get delivered. James 1, 2 says this. James, I'm sorry, James chapter 1, verse 12 said this. James chapter 1, verse 12. I'm going to read down to verse 16. Blessed is the man who endureth <coughs> temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by what? Evil. God cannot be, God cannot be that. But what's the problem then? Nor does he himself tempt anyone. But watch this, verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his what? Own desires. It's what's inside of me. So I need to pray that God fix me. God, I know I'm broken. God, I know I got some issues. Fix me, God, help me. Until you come to that place, you won't get help. And, 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 and then people become obstinate and say, this is what I want to do, and God has sanctioned it, and then we let them think that, that we're not helping. Are you hearing me? He said, then, verse 15, then when desire has conceived, and it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, bring forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brother. The result of sin, the wages of sin is what? Are y'all hearing me? We cannot just skip by this and act like it don't exist. The wages of sin is what? And we've already established in the word of God that homosexuality is sin. The idea of same-sex marriage, it is sin, according to what God's word says. And the wages of sin is death. In other words, something dies when we decide to go outside of the parameters that God set. How do we know that God's word is a fence of protection? And because of the blindness of our own heart, how do we know that we need to read this word and we need to flow with it, get with it, and do whatever we can to stick to it? And some of us, we're going to have struggles. Whatever your struggle is, you're probably going to struggle with that for the rest of your life. To some, in some form or some shape. And so you got to fortify yourself. How many of you know yourself enough that there are some areas of your life you need to put up some fences? You need to guard yourself because you know if you don't, you will go off the deep end. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Because we have a, we're broken. We have a proclivity. So I'm not denying that you feel this way. Simply saying that you're broken. We're broken. Some of us got personal, some of us got, we get angry at the drop of a hat. We're, we're full of rage. We're broken. And you will always, to some extent, struggle with anger. And so you have to guard yourself. 
You have to put this word down on the inside of your heart over and over again. And, and, and listen, and the way to overcome it is to feed yourself with the things from God. And see, what happened is everything that when people are flowing in this kind of lifestyle, they're constantly being fed with, it's right. It's of God. It's right. So there's no incentive for them to change because they're not reading the antidote to the problem. Y'all, y'all hear what I'm saying? Amen. Lastly, in conclusion, and I'm done. And this is very quick, actually. <clears throat> By the way, just because you got lust in your heart and feelings towards something don't mean you have to do it. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Just because you got those feelings don't mean you have to acquiesce to it. How many of you got some crazy, lustful, not even lustful, but, I mean, you know, just wicked thoughts and feelings that you just kind of, you don't do them? God still holds us accountable for trust, uh, 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 for choice. For choice. Um, it's not a sin to be tempted. What becomes sin is when we give in to it. And we say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do it. You got to know yourself. How do we as Christians respond to homosexuals and, and, and in a culture that promotes same-sex marriage? These are some good points for you, real quick. We want to support any and all legislation that promotes sexual purity from a biblical perspective. Anytime, any place, anywhere where you see it promoting the, the marriage as the way God intended it to be, how many know the Christian need to be a voice? Are y'all hearing me? If we don't, who will? Can I ask you who will? Who's going to do it? Who's going to stand up and say what's right or wrong if it's not the church? Who's going to do it? Number two, we need to speak the truth in love. Many of my colleagues and people in this profession have done a very good job screaming and yelling that all homosexuals are going to go to hell. I mean, bash your language. I had a relative of mine say that I believe all homosexuals should be put in a net and cast into the depths of the sea. Well, I mean, you didn't say that about the fornicator. You didn't say that about the adulterer or the thief or the cop. You didn't say that about them, but you sing aloud. You follow what I'm saying? And this is why people don't want to come to church, because you sing aloud me like I'm the scum of the earth. And they are not. It's all sin. Everybody is broken. Remember I said? Everybody is broken to some extent. So we want to speak the truth in love. In other words, I love you. And I'm going to tell you the truth, but I'm going to do it from a place of love. Hellfire language don't help the situation. Are you hearing me? <clears throat> if you're a Christian today, you shouldn't be speaking that way anyway. It's a way to tell people and warn people about hell without just using that kind of a language that just, that just defines you, that you're constantly running around telling people, you're going to go to hell, you're going to go to hell. Well, you know, we, we, we know that, that there's a hell. But how many know that we don't want to say it in, in a way that people would think, you act like you want me to go there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. Love says, I don't want you to go there, and I'll do what I got to do to help you get free. Amen. Number three, here's a big one. Befriend them. Befriend homosexuals, those who, are, who have same-sex attraction. Befriend them. Go eat with them. How many know that Jesus hung out with sinners? Did he not sit down with sinners? Some of you right now, I won't, I won't even have a homosexual to my house. I want to, you know, because I'm afraid that the spirit might jump off on my kid. I'm afraid. I mean, this is how people think. I'm just saying. Here's what I'm saying. Somewhere I read in the Bible, the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I mean, what does that mean? Does that mean anything? I, don't, I just don't see Jesus walking around saying, if you're a homosexual, I ain't coming to your house. I don't see Jesus saying that. If Jesus walked the earth, I think Jesus would come in anywhere where he was welcome 
and he will share in the love of God. In truth, he will share. Befriend them. Go eat with them. Don't treat them like they're the scum of the earth. Invite them to church. I said invite them to church. Invite them to church. Their sin is no worse than anybody else's sin who don't know God. They all go in the same place if they don't know Christ. So get to know them. I got a guy at work that, that who's in that lifestyle. He knows, he knows my preacher. He knows exactly where I stand. I had lunch with him the other day. I had lunch with him. And you know what? I still believe exactly like I believe. I don't treat them like they're the plague because Jesus said if we get to a place that, 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 that we can't talk to people who are outside the kingdom, then we need to leave the planet. We need to leave because you're here to reach them. I feel like if you're around light at some point, this light going to get up on you. That's the way I feel. Number four, you need to let them know where you stand on the issue. Jesus told the woman caught in adultery. What did he say to her? Go and sin no more. He said, I'm not going to condemn you, but go and do what? Don't do it again. Sin no more. So Jesus made it clear that he wasn't sanctioning her behavior. So whatever we do, whatever we say, we can't ever let people think that we as Christians believe that that behavior is okay. They always need to know that we believe that's wrong. I want you to understand that. I believe that according to the word of God, it's wrong. And here's why. Number five, we need to be gentle and respectful. 1 Peter 3.15 talks about that, that, that we're to present our gospel truth with gentleness and with respect. How many know that every man or woman is made in the image of God? So we ought to always be respectful to everybody. Listen, everybody is not going to always agree with you. You know, so that, that's not a ground for me to be disrespectful, to be arrogant, and to be mean, and to belittle somebody because you don't believe like I believe. I will respect you, and I'm going to pray for you. That's the last one. Pray for their salvation. Pray for them. Pray for them. Instead of just uh, talking about them and saying how how uh, terrible their lifestyle is, pray. You know, the best thing that we can do for people who are struggling with their lifestyle is pray. Pray for them. Pray that they get saved. Pray that God open up. Pray that they get delivered. How many of you believe in the power of prayer? I know sometimes that prayer, sometimes it seems to linger. But the Bible does say that the prayers of the righteous man avails much. That's what God's word says. So we ought to do more of it. Pray as often as you can, because God says when you commit it to it, it accomplishes a lot. may not seem like it, but stick with it. I've been doing this for 20-some years. There have been some things I've had to pray for for five, six, seven years before it came, before it happened. Because I understand that God works outside of my time frame. Y'all understand that? God, God, God is not inside time. Only you, are, you and me, we're inside time. That's why we trip. One day to God is like a thousand years. How can that be? Does that make sense to you? One day is like a thousand years. So technically, Jesus has only been gone for two days. If, if, I mean, if you look at the math, <laughs> to us, it seems 2,000 years a long time. God lives outside of eternity. So we need to pray. Believe God. Listen, and I believe if we, if we utilize these things I just talked about as it relates to those who are in this homosexual lifestyle, I believe that they'll get a chance to get delivered and get help. You can explain to people. I mean, parents, you need to explain. If you've got a child here today that's struggling with that, we need to sit down with them. We need to explain to them why they feel this way. You need to let them know that Jesus is the answer. If you've got a, a, a sister or brother, you know, if they're talking to you, you know, have a conversation about it. Be knowledgeable about the situation. Believe God, and God will help us. And so, now, so now you know what you have to do with regard to this issue.
We know now how we're supposed to respond. And I pray and I hope that you would take advantage of the opportunity that God gives you and that you would preach his gospel and remain true to his values. Because if we do that, we can truly change our world and we can preserve what is good in the earth, which is our requirement and our responsibility. Amen. Every head is bowed, your eyes closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, you spoke to us this morning. God, first, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I know that there are many of my colleagues who won't even touch this subject. But Lord, I pray that you would cause the church to get bold today and speak this truth with great love and great affection. And I pray with all of my heart, God, that the church will come together as unity and speak with one voice and preserve the integrity of your word. Father, we want to pray right now for our loved ones. Some of us right now, Lord, we got family members and friends and people that we love that are struggling with this issue of homosexuality. God, I'm asking that you would please help them, help them to see the truth. God, open their eyes, oh God, please. We're begging you in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we are praying this morning, God, for those, Lord God, that are we're just praying for boldness, Lord, to speak your, your word. We're praying for boldness, Lord. Maybe someone's here this morning, God, they're struggling with this issue in their own heart. Maybe they're listening to this CD. Whoever you are, wherever you are, right now, I just want you to bow your heads. I just want you to, to pray. If you've been convicted by the Holy Spirit that, that you're wrong, that your approach to this was wrong, the way you thought about it is wrong, and God has revealed to you, then right where you are, you can repent. In this chair, if you're driving in your car, whatever the case might be, wherever you are right now, you can repent. If you're struggling in this lifestyle and you've been engaged in homosexual activity, or if you have been promoting a lifestyle that is contrary to the word of God and you just realized it, then right now, wherever you are, just repent and pray to your God and Jesus will come and he will help you. If you don't know him as Lord and Savior, that begins right there. You must give your life to him. None, none of what I say will make sense until you surrender your life to Jesus. If you're sitting here today, you don't know Jesus, you need to give your life over to him. And I want to invite you to do it right there in that chair. And if you're a Christian today, and you have just been struggling with this issue. And there have been moments of time where you have given in to that lust. And you feel so bad on the inside. You just, you, you felt it and you did it and then you feel, you feel horrible. God wants you to know today. He says if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just. And not only that, he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you're sitting here this morning and you don't know him, as the Savior that he is, I want to invite you to give your life to him. And if you are involved or struggling with these same-sex tendencies, I want you to take a moment right now and pray and ask God to help you. And he will help you. Let all the church pray for just one minute, please. I want you to intercede for your family, for your friends who are struggling with this lifestyle. 